Are your customer acquisition costs too high? Your lifetime values too low? Are you uncertain if your communication strategies are helping or hurting the efficiency and effectiveness of your marketing efforts? Welcome to the Continuous Marketer Podcast, where the most influential marketers in the world are sharing their insights and lessons on the critical topics they and their chief executives must address daily. How to drive consistent business growth by delivering more revenues through profitable acquisition and customer lifetime value maximization strategies. What you will hear by listening to this podcast are the actual strategies and tactics our marketing experts are using to achieve their critical missions. Hi, I'm Russell Kern, CEO and founder of Kern and Omnicom Agency, and I'm joined with my co-host and producer, Elliot Dennis. Today, we have a very special guest, and Elliot, I'm going to let you do the introduction, given how close this topic is to you. Yeah, thanks, Russell. Uh, and Sophie Durrani, so thank you so much for joining the CEO of the Omnicom Commerce Group. Uh, I was in shopper marketing for years. I geeked out on the subject, so really excited to kind of have you on today. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of kick right off for our audience. Um, can you give us a little bit of a background on the Omnicom Commerce Group? You know, what is OCG's focus and what does it solve for? You know, how does it help marketers? Yeah, of course. And, and Elliot and Russell, lovely to be here and good to see you both. Um, and thanks for having me. So the Commerce Group is actually kind of one of the latest, newest kind of areas of expertise within the within Omnicom. We were officially created in September 2020, really a recognition of rapidly changing retail landscape and the increasing importance of overall commerce in the marketing space. I think it's kind of gone up on, on, on all our clients' agendas. And actually, there's a kind of core mission to accelerate modern integrated commerce solutions at Omnicom. So the commerce group, you know, we've got four award-winning agencies, Integer, Hagar, TPN, and Tracy Locke. And we work with brand clients like Nestle, Diageo, Hershey, and PepsiCo, but also retail clients like AT&T, Bank of America, Vodafone, and Lego, really delivering commerce services and driving the buy. And that includes capabilities like omni-channel strategy, e-commerce and D2C, Shopper UX, social commerce, retail and marketing, shopper promotions. As you know, it's very broad and it's very important now as well that we work with media, precision and, and reputation and PR to kind of integrate commerce in, in solutions. So shopper behavior, understanding and retailer expertise within the group. And it's a really exciting and dynamic place to work because it's changing every day. Yeah, speaking of that change, Russell and I still find it fascinating. To, uh, thank you for joining us late tonight from London. You know, I'm in Chicago. He's in LA. Just you know how much we've digitized ourselves uh, at this you know lightning speed the last two years. So you know, I found it very interesting that the group launched in 2019 as the Omers retail, uh, Omnicom Retail Group, and then quickly yeah. pivoted to the Omnicom Commerce Group as retail you know evolved at lightning speed due to the COVID pandemic. Uh, so can you please share with us you know what drove that change and the importance of the distinction between retail and commerce? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think it's quite nuanced, really. I mean, I, I think that, you know, retail is very much rooted in the sale and commerce is a slightly broader term. And, you know, it's been rapidly changing so much that we just felt as we changed our structure that it was the right time to change the name. But they both come down to to be about selling. And our focus for our clients is about driving the buy delivering conversion and, and delivering incremental sales. You know, as all of us have been watching retail evolve again, at rapid speed the last few years, you know, what do you feel the nuances between commerce and retail, especially as it evolves across physical, digital, and social? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the core nuance is that retail has an association with physical store, whilst commerce is a more multi-channel term that is a shortcut. And actually, that brings a dynamic that, that creates a sort of fat word, um, which can mean so many different things. But fundamentally, it comes down to selling. Okay. And we, there's a lot out there about how that has fragmented the, the consumer journey. So how do you feel marketers could help uh, the organizations rise uh, above channel silos, if you will, you know, physical, digital, and social channels to align across consumer behavior to solve for that fragmented consumer journey? Yeah. I mean, I think the access point uh, for a lot of us at the moment is talking about consumer experience. And, you know, that needs to come through both agnostic planning um, as well as the way that you align capabilities. So, you know, certainly from our perspective, you know, we have a kind of ethos of connected commerce where we think about how we can really optimize the touch points for conversion across the customer journey. And, you know, that starts with agnostic planning. We have a commerce, you know, planning process data to and insights to fuel consumer behavior as they they really go through the customer journey and really how do we understand the interrelation of demand through media reviews and recommendation influences consumers and actually you know it boils down to how do people consider select and then ultimately make the purchase for, for each brand so that's you know you you have to start with the consumer versus the channel so, so, Elliot, I'm going to jump in here as I normally do. I, I I had an experience with my wife just yesterday on this multi-channel where she had ordered boots online from yeah. a very well-known store. They she ordered it once. It came in ordered was in black. Came in came in white. Ordered it again. Came in white. So okay, online ordering. Then calls to return, and they say no, we're going to charge ten dollars for every return, even though it was our fault. And then yeah. we have to drive to the store. So I think my question is, how does the how does a marketer, how does the chief marketer fight the battle or address the battle between the financials of their physical location and its overhead cost, the financials of their warehouse shipping, and then this cross integration of pick up and store, yeah. ship to home, return at store, return on FedEx, re- return online. There seems to be, there has to be a lot of complexity and competition in the PL side of all those channels. Are you involved in that? Russell, I think that's a really interesting question that you ask. Um, and obviously, the logistics and um, product supply are incredibly complex areas and that isn't our area of expertise i think that there are people who are very good at that however i think increasingly consumers expect people expect a really seamless experience just like you mentioned about your wife they don't want to order something when it's not in stock they don't want to have to go through complexity of return and whenever we're thinking about the holistic kind of commerce marketing we are considering the broader shopper ux that people are are understanding but people want convenience they want value and they want experience and every client has got to get that combination right and that does create challenges for our clients at the moment because traditionally all those different areas are quite siloed within their organizations and and actually, even for, for organizations like us, Omnicom, actually better connecting sales and marketing is really important. So I think 
all for all CMOs, they're all thinking about how do they better connect the different organizational silos to deliver the seamless experiences that shoppers now demand. And the easier you can make it and the more seamless and consistent, the better. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's one of the areas where we can help really map out um, the considerations that, that CMOs need to be thinking about. Thank you. I, I know I came on to a pretty tangential question, but no. it just felt there. Elliot, I'm going to let you keep going. No, I couldn't agree with you more. My wife and I are living and breathing it ourselves as everyday consumers where, you know, we're doing a lot of our shopping yeah. online. So I have to sometimes return to store. And sometimes I wonder, am I saving time this really? Because I'm still taking, I have to drive the store to save that $10 here and there that that can add up. Uh, so there was actually a great Deloitte uh, study that came out in Q4 on that topic of the connected seamless experience. Um and, you yeah. know, that, that actually leads to a great question I had is it's, you know, one of the most exciting times of the year, if you will, for people in our space, given we just came off the holiday shopping uh, season and have all that data now. And now we have the National Retail Federation's big show. So a lot, we actually have a series of content coming around around neurosciences. And an observation we had was that retailers that really tapped into the, the fear behind why people buy that got ahead of the supply chain issues were those that really drove some impactful sales in October that continued on through uh, through the holiday season. So we'll be sharing those findings uh, next week. And that leads me to my, my question I had. You did a kind of a groundbreaking study last year, uh, the Amercom Commerce Group with OMD called The Why Behind the Buy, where you surveyed you know, 4,200 consumers in six markets around 80 future retail scenarios. So can you tell us the framework of that, uh, the why behind we buy and, you know, how, what our, you know, our audience can learn from that report or just, or some of the, what the headlines are from the report that might be helpful to our audience? I think one, one, ironically, one of the headlines for me is not to think about commerce and headlines. I think there are some big generalizations made. And actually, as you just talked about, we all shop and buy in a lot of different ways. And we need to remember that. And we as marketeers tend to categorize. And I think that we need to think about shopping and commerce as a whole ecosystem. And the report really reinforced that because it reminded us that actually, whilst, of course, e-commerce grew exponentially through lockdown and COVID, actually, most people like to balance the way that they buy across in-store, on social and on, on websites. So actually, it really showed that most people actually, you know, they're not on or offline shoppers, they're both. And they enjoy the experience of browsing and physical store and actually the immediacy of physical buy. But of course, they like the value and convenience and researching of online. So I think I think we tend to sort of say, you know, just think about e-commerce and isolation. And it, it's kind of back to this sort of connected commerce thought. You have to think about it as a holistic ecosystem. So a lot of the respondents reported, 40% of respondents reported shopping more frequently online, but actually they still appreciate physical retail, 50% enjoying browsing and in-store experience. Yeah, um, actually there was a huge uh, reticent about data sharing and a reminder that around 60% of the report said that they had concerns about sharing their data. So it's a reminder for all of us that that needs to be a very human interaction and the clarity of that data exchange. And don't try and hide data usage and T's and C's. Bring it up front, be clear, be human, be honest on the, on the value that you're bringing to consumers. 
Um, and then interestingly, that of course, actually shopping is part of a lifestyle. Um, people really like shopping when they're going to eat and drink. They like meeting friends. They like, you know, really going shopping together. So again, think of the combination of how shopping is a lifestyle, not just a kind of a chore. And the joy of shopping is something we forget sometimes. Yeah, you, you touched on a big challenge there, is, and it was very near and dear to Russell's heart, uh, you know, personalization and personalization at speed and scale. And, you know, for us to build these one-to-one personalized marketing experiences, it's, it's reliant on that data. So can you elaborate a little more on just your personal opinion on how marketers could help ease that fear for consumers to, you know, know that when they are giving their data properly, it is being very um, privately held and, and being used in the right way so that when they do give that data, they're getting something good in return for it. Yeah, I think it's such as on a couple of points I've just made in terms of, I certainly feel that sometimes data is treated as a sort of transactional legality at the end of a relationship when, when we're all signing up to a website and actually just bringing it up and being very clear that we're going to be, hold, we hold your privacy dear to our hearts we're going to really make sure that we treasure your data and we add value and be clear on what the value add that we're going to be doing and how we're going to use that data. And don't try and hide that. Be very transparent, authentic and genuine in the communications around data for consumers because they, if they have that reassurance of trust, they're very open and willing to share. But they're not if they feel that they can't see the value or they feel that it's something that's going to be passed on to other parties. Privacy is so key to trust at the moment that it's something that none of us can afford to get wrong. And I, I so Elliot, I am going to jump in here. I think that that applies in so many ways, even above commerce, which is Agreed. a new competitive advantage is the proactive promotion of privacy, of data, of protection and value way up front. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it right here, which is, yes, that's now a messaging asset. So I'm glad that you brought that up and I hope that we can bring it. I do have another question is you you talk about drive to buy. So, you know, here it is shopping as a lifestyle. What is it that you do to help your clients accomplish drive to buy what it, what what does that really mean and how does it how does it express itself in the marketplace yeah I, I think that's a really important point actually Russell I think what I I mean at the end of the day we're all in marketing we're all here to drive the buy aren't we to impact incremental sales but the work that we do is very much at the coal face of sales and there's a difference between brand engagement and product sale. And the work we do is very much thinking about how can we optimize those points of conversion? How can we create content and experience that is going to actually drive action of purchase versus broader engagement? Um, And how do we work on different channels to create that seamless and rich experience that consumers are now expecting? So I I think it works in a number of different levels in a whole raft of expertise and capabilities that I outlined. So so I'm going to put you on the spot. I'd like to hear a story or two. You know, you have you have we have great capability. I don't want our audience not to hear. Here, let me give you two examples of how we have brought these two things together. If you can, you know, you don't even have to expose a client, but I'd like to know, how do you blend those two between the brand experience and the product experience and tell me something practical? 
So I've got a really good example where we were working with a brand who was a retailer and they were had an advertising campaign about their product that wasn't was driving awareness but wasn't driving sales. So one of our agencies was asked to create social content that made the product um, much more practical and relevant to the consumer usage that then actually then created and led them to an experience in store so that they could go and then play with this product in store and then purchase it. And the footfall drive suddenly went went from sort of zero to X percent exponentially. So it's that connection, which is in a way moving brand love into product purchase. And that retail example is a really good way of doing that. And or often we'll work with FMCG brands where we create specific events and promotions in store that will really drive the buy at that point of purchase. I think there's some research that shows that 60% of purchase decisions are made at shelf, whether that's physical or online. So actually how we will help our clients on how they show up with both in terms of differentiation, and that could be a combination of product, packaging, merchandising, promotion, and event activity that will actually drive increased conversion at the point of purchase. So the days of it's on sale right now as the only way to drive foot traffic are are done. You know, you, we're talking about ex- experiences that might Absolutely. have values to them, but they're much big. If you want big breakthrough, it's not about price discount. And it's interesting because Elliot was talking about working in shopper marketing. And in a way, this is all about moving from traditional shopper marketing into modern integrated commerce solutions. And even, um, you know, if you think about how important reviews and recommendations are on the way that people buy, actually, some of the things that we do, you know, it's whether there are sort of straightforward campaigns like working with influencers to drive social social and commerce activity. But also, I think there are some really interesting ways to better use recommendations, consumer recommendations for that endorsement at at shelf to help drive that purchase decision-making. So there's this intricate kind of planning, which is the whole connected commerce planning process to to weave paid, owned, and earned together to optimize conversion. And I think that's what makes it very exciting to work in at the moment. Yeah, that's a great story. And and kind of you know, the great story in the future of commerce, if you will. And you already gave some of the some great tips there that leads right into our closing question. As you know, CMOs are looking ahead to 2022 after the holiday rush and with NRF Big Show this week as you know, retail is evolving and transforming. Um, what are just a few steps or some quick wins or some you know kind of pilot tests you could recommend to our marketing audience uh, to ensure they're keeping up with the future of commerce? I think there are a couple of things, both in terms of the way to keep up, but also some core trends that we're certainly seeing. I'm sure some of some of our clients are as well. So one is follow us on on the Com Commerce Group. One of my team is is um, somebody called Brian Gilderberg. He's he's just been recognised by Retail Rethink as one of the industry's leading experts. So we have regular posts on key trends and observations of what's going in the marketplace. It's changing every day, but you know we're seeing huge pushes on live streaming, Q Commerce. Headless commerce and and the growth of Shopify are things that are really happening in the marketplace at the moment. And I similarly and differently, but very importantly, there's a real move towards how can we reduce the gap between purpose and purchase? It's very important to a number of different generations. And there's a difference between intent and behavior. How can we reduce that and think about different ways to 
to optimise differentiation through purpose and also sustainability and inclusivity are really important within all of our agendas at the moment. So that applies to commerce and the way that we turn up as, as much as it does in other areas as well. Sophie, I thank you so much for sharing. I know we have just touched the tip yes. of the iceberg that has evolved around commerce and that we could dive uh, deeper into it. So I hope our listeners, if they have any questions, will um, visit our website, Kern Insights, uh, to get more information. Uh, Elliot, anything you want to add to that before I close this out? Uh, yes, yes. Thanks again, Sophie, so much. And yeah, I'll put a, in the description links to some of the you know the papers that you referenced on there so <laughs> readers and listeners could um, dive deeper. So on behalf of Elliot and myself, I want to thank you for listening today. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time, I'm Russell Kern. The Continuous Revenue Marketer has been brought to you by Kern, an Omnicom precision marketing agency that helps Fortune 500 companies increase revenue from customer acquisition to loyalty through personalization at speed and scale. For more information, please visit kernagency.com.